As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. friends and welcome back to the athletic fantasy football podcast has it been a minute yes it has and would you know it i'm still here gotcha you can't get away from me i am chris welsh joined by brandon funston and not jake seeley brandon because mr jake seeley had like a big surgery i don't know if he's going to be able to uh, throw and i don't know if he's going to be able to win the big games for the team this year because i think he had like a like a rotator cuff surgery. it's like some very yeah. serious surgery right yeah, he's out until after the All-Star break, at least. Mm. Um, yeah, no, he's, uh, yeah, I think he, you're right. he has shoulder surgery. Uh, apparently, he's going to be a one, one-handed typer for a while. Um, but yeah, we're going to let him, we're going to give him a break for this one, and we'll loop him back in before yeah. too long. Usually, I might give him a little bit of crap if, like, you know, it's a shoulder surgery and he wasn't able to podcast. I think you with the shoulder injury, you could probably podcast, <laughs> except I think it literally just happened. Like, it literally <laughs> happened, like, two days ago, so... Uh, we have no Jake Seeley, though you have Jake Seeley on over at The Athletic. I think he just dropped a big old article that he had scheduled if everybody wants to go check that out. And you can sign up at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com. Here's a couple suggestions. Go in, click every single article a million times over, then subscribe. Or better yet, if you're into the collecting world, I may or may not have an article over at The Athletic <laughs> uh, where I, uh, it's a baseball thing, but I went over and got to interview one of the top prospects in baseball. It's a Tops article, me and Levi Weaver both uh, put this article together. You can go and click that and then you can subscribe to The Athletic there because then you're giving me a little bit of love and why wouldn't you want to? And you can get hooked up with all the great things that are going to be going on because this year's going to be phenomenal. You always get Jake Seeley's great stuff. Ranks galore, articles galore, support and get The Athletic for really the cheapest, best content you can find. It's cheap. It's cheap in price with an insane value return. That's the big thing to let everybody know. So we don't have Jake Seeley on the podcast today, but we do have my best friend in the whole world. This is a little incestuous because it's like, oh, who can we have on? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe my best friend who I do <laughs> stuff with that in this league. I have known this man since I was 13 or 14 years old. He uh, does incredible draft content. Him and Jake fight all the time about the same prospects. This is a Jake approved guest. You can hear him over on Fantasy Pros. You can hear him on The Athletic. He covers all of it and he did... Pfft, 
12 hours of draft coverage uh, during this last draft talking about all of them. He is Scott Bogman. You can find him on Twitter at Bogman Sports. Hello, Mr. Scott Bogman. Welcome to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey. Did I do hey. that right? Is that is that correct? Uh, yeah, is, yeah, is that yeah, the yeah. Jake Seeley intro? Good. Hey. Uh, hey. Yeah, thank you for having me, uh, gentlemen. Yeah, uh, super excited to talk about the NFL draft. It was fun. Not the best draft for like fantasy landing spots, but we still have a lot of great prospects and awesome situations. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited, you know, Chris. To I, I should just say also that Bogman told me off air that you were in his top four friends as well. So mm. um, you're right. You're right up there. For the MySpace. Well. I'm in like the top eight. <laughs> yeah. of the MySpace. That's right. You're on the top row at least. But yeah, you know, you're you know, in it's the funny. Top eight. It's funny too. Like, like it used to be cute to do the MySpace thing, but now it's like maybe the most age telling thing when you're like, oh, a MySpace top eight. People are like, oh my god, you're so old. I just turned forty too. So it's like, yeah, like literally say, like two you, you weeks said, ago. You said, I've known this man since I was 13 years old. I was like, that is 27 years because you just turned 40. So, yeah, I just turned go. 40 years old. So I'm very old, uh, halfway out, Congratulations, everybody. Congratulations, by Thank the way. That's a, that's a big one. It's, it's a big it, hurdle right there. It's a it's a big one for a lot of different reasons. You're like, oh, my God, it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Randy, we, we've hit it. Like, okay. No longer can I get away with the 30 uh, things. But we've seen a lot of drafts. We've seen a lot of these prospects, and we've seen how this all goes. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about this kind of a post-draft recap. Obviously, you know the landing. Most people are going to know the landing spots, but you might not fully be up on the fantasy conversation around all these players because I think people are just starting to get going with it. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, Brandon, I want to start with you on this because one of the biggest things that came out of this draft, which was really kind of baffling because Bogman and I spoke so much about the different prospects. I thought there was a lot of good um, skill set position players that were sitting out there. And there was a lot of theoretical landing spots where it's like, wow, we could have some good fantasy value. What ended up happening was like everybody went to the worst spots. I mean, almost everybody, not every single one, but like we had so many bad destinations locked in with solid prospects that it kind of, it kind of blew me away. Do you remember a time where we had all of these fantasy prospects go to such bad spots? I, I, you know, it's water under the bridge for me after a season's over. I, I forget so quickly, you know, like, I, like we, we always say every year, oh, this is the most craziest fantasy year ever. And it's <laughs> we just got done saying that like the year before, but we just forget, you know, um, I, and I don't know. I, I think, you know, it's at a certain extent, like you just want like the best of the best to be in decent spots and like. Bijan Robinson going to a team that had the second most running back carries in the league last year that has Arthur Smith that, you know, wants to have like, I, I don't think that's a terrible spot. And, you know, agreed. These that's quarterbacks. The these quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson going to, a lot of places. Anthony Richardson could have gone would have been places where they w wanted to redshirt him for a year. Like if he would have gone to Seattle, he would have redshirted for a year. They're actually going to throw him out there now in Indianapolis. So that's actually a pretty good landing spot. And then you look at the receivers. I don't know that we could look at this year's receiver class and say there was a bunch of slam dunks anyway. So, like, I wasn't going to be excited about this receiving class a ton, no matter where they went, with a few exceptions. So, I, I think it's okay. And Jameer Gibbs, you know, they got rid of DeAndre Swift. So, that answered that question, you know, that we all had right away when he got drafted by Detroit. Like, what are they doing? We assumed that there was a move to be made with DeAndre Swift, but that happened quickly. And so, so now we're looking at, you know, we're looking at, um, you know, 
two guys in the Detroit Lions backfield, and that, that can work out okay for Jamar Gibbs. Yeah, so Jameer Gibbs. And we we're going to talk actually about uh, some of these guys in here. Bogman, what do you think was the most disappointing landing spot of a prospect you had high hopes oh. for uh, in the skill set position, guys? And I, I feel Ty like I J. might know Spears. who it is. It's Ty oh, really? J. Spears for me by a million miles, and it's uh, it's not the fact that. Ty J. Spears isn't good. He's still a very good prospect. You know, uh, Pat and I over at the Fantasy Pros Dynasty pod had Matt Waldman on, and he was comparing him to Jamal Charles. I'm not that high on him, but, like, you can see, you can squint and see very good running traits out of Ty J. Spears. But Derrick Henry is a freak of nature, and everyone talks about how he was injured a couple years ago. Dude had 350 touches again last year. The whole offense is built around him. They didn't add a lot of wide receiver depth. So, I mean, this is going to be run Derrick Henry until the wheels fall off again. So I'm well, uh, a little worried I, about. Can I interject Spears with early. that? Please. You know, we saw the report that if Tannehill starts out slow, that, you know, we could, we could see Will Levis get some opportunity. I just wonder if this is a team that if they tank early, they're dealing Derrick Henry midseason, like pulling the Carolina from last year, and they're they're moving on from Tannehill. And so maybe Ty J Spears has a has a clearer runway in the second half of the season. And to add to that, that how about all of the trade rumors for Derrick Henry? Remember the, what was it? The Akbar uh, had put out that rumor. Like he was definitive about it on Twitter. And he was like, Derrick Henry's going to the Eagles. He's been traded. So obviously there's some smoke that was sitting out. That didn't happen. But like the Derrick Henry leaving Tennessee thing was heavily rumored that maybe exactly to that point that, it might just be we sit on these guys for eight weeks, and then all of a sudden, if Derrick Henry is moved, which would be a blockbuster trade, it's going to change the entire landscape. That's what's going to make him so difficult in redraft this year. That That's true, but they also drafted Hassan Haskins last year, who is like the miniature version of Derrick Henry and a, and a, str- <laughs> a, a straight-line runner. So I still think it might be split between both of those guys if Derrick Henry leaves because you don't want to change the offense too much get a brand new playbook and all that stuff. So Haskins will come in and take that first, second down thumper role. And then Taiji would be the third down back uh, most likely. But I mean, still uh, the, you, you are still in, in dynasty and things like that. You're still buying traits in uh, Taiji Spears still has great traits. I just, you know, Derrick Henry's a freak of nature. We saw Adrian Peterson play till he was 45 or whatever. Like some guys are built different and Henry is. So that that's my little worry about Spears. So. There might be an argument that Tajay Spears might be one of the better values in Dynasty simply because Absolutely. of the the redraft cost is going to take so many people off of him. But if you can see into the future and see that Derrick Henry's time might be very limited in Tennessee, that might be why he's such a coop, except the redraft, it's not going to be probably quite as uh, big. Um, Brandon, you brought this up a little bit earlier. You brought his name up. But if we're looking outside of the prospects for just a second and we think about you know, who was hurt, um, the things that were changed, like a lot of fantasy values changed overall, and it didn't just have to do with the prospects. The biggest draft day fantasy move, and it could have been a really bad thing, was DeAndre Swift. And Fog, uh, we'll start with you on this. There was a horrid thought when Jameer Gibbs was drafted of like, what has just happened to DeAndre Swift? Then into the draft, he gets moved and goes over to Philly. So, what do you think ultimately our value on DeAndre Swift is? Because it went from bad to, okay, I actually can see the end of the tunnel on this one, but was this a positive move? Don't think about Gibbs coming in here. Like right. think of who he was in Detroit without Gibbs going up with Jamal Williams. 
Is this a net positive of him going over to Philly and being potentially their guy, even though they don't run out one guy? They never have. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely positive because with the attitude that Deuce Daly had, I mean, you could see it during hard knocks last year that he didn't really like uh, DeAndre Swift. It seemed like they were pretty much tired of him, and um, he's been injury prone in his career. So going to Philly is probably good for the fact that he's not going to get 20 carries you don't want him to do that. Cause he breaks down every time he does, but now it's like, you know, Philly has the most breakable running backs in the league. I feel like, uh, with Rashad Penny and Deandre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell. So I, I, it's still going to be a three headed monster there, but ultimately positive for him to get out of Detroit because they just did not like him and are obviously going a different way with Montgomery and Gibbs now. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Brandon, you obviously haven't yeah. like done your ranks with everything like right now and speak to however you want. But I'm just curious, like wherever before the draft you thought you might have had DeAndre Swift, do you think he has moved up from that situation? Is this negative? Is this neutral? Or is this maybe a move where wherever he would have been as a lion with with Rashad Penny, that he comes up a little bit or not? Yeah, with I Rashad think it's Penny. close to neutral. I'd say a little bit up, um, you know, going to be. So it's funny, I, I just ran the numbers on the Rashad Penny and, and DeAndre Swift. They've averaged 19.3 games combined over their last three seasons. So they got the season covered uh, between the <laughs> two of them. But as Bogman says, it's kind of a committee approach. And I think you got two running backs that are ideal for a committee approach because you don't want to lean too heavily on either one of them. Um, and just the way things were trending in Detroit, it was going to be hard for me to get excited again about DeAndre Swift. You know, you're taking out Jamal Williams, you're plugging David Montgomery in there. You can just see him kind of becoming the new Jamal Williams that's endeared himself to the coaching staff and DeAndre Swift still that same guy that everybody's asking, why, why are they not giving this guy love? At least in Philadelphia, it's a great offense and he gets a, a new start and he's the more durable of the two main <laughs> backs there. So he, you know, he seems like he should have a much more prominent role there, even though as Bogman said, he shouldn't be a featured guy and he won't be. And hopefully, you know, using him sparingly, if he can get like that 15 to 18 touches in some capacity and can, you know, do it in that offense. I mean, you, you can argue what he was able to do at some points in Detroit was solid, but now put him in an offense with Jalen Hurts behind him. If you can get him 15 to 18 pointed touches and it's like, 12, 13 on the ground, and he's catching some balls. He could be a better fantasy value there. And there's a lot of other injury things that are out there. So it was probably the biggest eye-opening non-rookie move that happened during the draft that you could look at for fantasy. And there was lots of fantasy implications that came out of this 
from each player. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to go position to position on the skill set, guys. And we're going to talk about what's really relevant to this year. And that's why we got Bogman here who puts all those ranks together so you can see what the first year value is. And I'm going to get your take, Brandon. Obviously, if you want to throw in your take on where they uh, they rank out, we could do that. But we can also just pick on Bogman and poke and prod at him <laughs> to see where he's got these guys' ranks. So let's start with quarterbacks. There are plenty of quarterbacks that were taken, but there is the big four, maybe the big three with like a little side portion of four. And the big three, if you will, started with the first four picks. Bryce Young going number one overall to the Carolina Panthers. CJ Stroud, regardless of his testing, ends up going the second overall pick to the Houston Texans. Anthony Richardson, four overall to the Indianapolis Colts. All three legitimately could start from day one, though maybe this would be an argument. I actually think the one that wouldn't would be CJ Stroud because of how that team values and mills and everything. But, you know, regardless, those three could all go. And then the last guy is Will Levis, who we talked about. He ended up going uh, 2-2 in the draft, and he goes over to the Titans. All four are the big quarterbacks. So, Brandon, I want to first start with you for a second to just get your overall take on how you value these four guys. You can do it from normal fantasy, and then you can also line it into super flex. But, you know, how are you ranking these four guys as far as like what you're interested in, at least from a this year perspective? Yeah, I just I ran my rankings. I'm, I've been playing around with them. So my initial run, I have Anthony Richardson 17 at quarterback because of the rushing upside. I have Bryce Young, I think, 19 or 20. I have C.J. Stroud kind of down, at, you know, at the bottom bottom like six of the starting crew maybe bottom seven and then obviously I'm not ranking Will Levis at the moment but I think you know Richardson just going to be the rushing upside I mean that's just we've seen it time and time again how valuable that is for fantasy quarterbacks Bryce Young has some of that uh you know I like obviously like him as a more polished ready-made day one kind of quarterback than Anthony Richardson but it, like Justin Fields is still raw and he's already, you know, moved himself into the top six discussion among quarterbacks. So you can be raw and be very valuable. Um, so that's kind of my initial thought on those guys. All right. So, Boggs, there's two things to look at here. There's really three if you want to throw in the super flex idea to this. Number one, how are you ranking these quarterbacks? Like Brandon just said, the top, the top guy is 17 at quarterback. How are you ranking these guys for this year in redraft? Who is viable? And then how is the long-term dynasty value look for these four guys? How do you uh, order them and put them in? And if you don't want to talk about Levis, by the way, Levis is probably like the bottom of all of this. So that's fine. You can focus on the big three. But how are you uh, sparsing out those two elements of these quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, for redraft and for dynasty, like Funston said, it is definitely Anthony Richardson because the other two big-time pros QB prospects in this class have a yeah, but. You know, uh, Bryce Young's is, yeah, but his size. And we just saw what Miami went went through with Tua. Now, the good news for Bryce Young is that he's one of the best pocket manipulators I've ever seen in my life coming out of college. I mean, he feels pressure, he evades it, and he doesn't take big hits like Tua does. So, better for him. He's insanely accurate, and they added some wide receivers for him at Carolina. So, and he should start from day one. If, they're, if I'm guaranteeing one guy, it would be Bryce Young. Uh, so, C.J. Stroud... Um, is is third for sure because of the testing stuff. And not just that, Ohio State runs a very basic vanilla offense. You know, it's a lot of the same plays out of different formations and stuff like that. 
and he's going to have to be in a, a big big league playbook this year. And like you said, Davis Mills insanely smart. Um, you know, doesn't doesn't flinch at pressure, whatever. So that's going to be a battle to see who starts and, day and, one. And tell me the Texans' top three receivers: uh, uh, <laughs> Nico Collins, John Mechie, and I don't Nathaniel know Daniel Dell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tank Stroud Dell. apparently vouched for it. Yeah, I mean Tank is is a lot of fun to watch, but he's tiny. We'll get to him in a little bit. But yeah, so with those two guys kind of having yeah butts, give me the guy with all of the athletic upside, just like Brandon said. It's Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson came in and scored the highest RAS score, relative athletic score. For those of you that are unfamiliar at the Combine, uh, 10 out of 10. No other quarterback has done it since 1987. Gigantic arm. He has problems, you know, with completion percentage, and he only started 13 games in college, so he's very inexperienced. But the dude has limitless upside. So you, to me, you have to take Richardson in uh, – Dynasty, I'm going to throw in Will Levis because I do think he's going to get this job in Tennessee eventually, and Hendon Hooker with Detroit because Jared Goff, you know, they like him a lot, and he may be their long-term guy, so Hendon Hooker might just be a backup to him, but you give any quarterback the weapons that they have now in Detroit with Montgomery and Gibbs in the backfield and Williams and uh, Amandre St. Brown and just drafted Sam Laporta in a great offensive line and a bad defense, I mean... It's a pretty good fantasy formula there. So those two guys uh, should be pretty high valued in super flex leagues as well. Okay, dynasty. so let's do the uh, rank redraft. How does that work? Give me your redraft of those four quarterbacks. Richardson, Young, Stroud. And then Levis. And then, and then Dynasty. Does it change in Dynasty? Nope. It's Richardson, Young, uh, Stroud. Um, I, I keep flipping back and forth between Levis and Hooker, but I'm going to go with Levis because of his rushing upside. All right, let's play this game then. Brandon, we're going to start with you. I'm going to start give I'm going to throw out names and you're going to pick a player. And I'm just I'm using like a very generic rank right now. Anthony Richardson or Geno Smith, Brandon. Uh, I'm going to go Geno because he's absolutely loaded with weapons and he, you know, he had a QB1 season last year, so I think there's a little bit more certainty there. I'm just going to go with Geno, um, but it's relatively close. Bogman. And this is for redraft. Yeah, for redraft. I Okay, well, I mean, Superflex, uh, I'm taking Geno because he has the job for sure. If I'm getting a backup, I'm probably taking Richardson. If it's just a 1QB league, probably taking Richardson and just looking for upside. All right. That's uh, fair, and that's a good way. To, uh, that's a, an important point to make, though. It's, it's definitely it's definitely different when, you, when you're just taking your second quarterback. Yeah, shoot for the moon. Bogman, Anthony Richardson, or Kenny Pickett? Pickett. Uh, Pickett's Ooh. a day one starter. Um, I think he has rushing upside, and they have pretty good weapons in Pittsburgh. So, Brandon? Pickett or Richardson? Yeah. I'm going to go Richardson. Mm, okay. That's, that's what I was trying to get to. All right. I think I kind of built the mm. value range. Real complicated um, list he had there for us, Funston. You're a Seahawks <laughs> fan, and I'm a Steelers <laughs> fan. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brock Purdy or no? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. If he's healthy, if he's healthy. Uh, all right. Let me get a non one then, real quick. This is actually a little, this is the highest guy on this list, but I just want to test this theory. Brandon, Anthony Richardson or Russell Wilson? Oh. <sighs> Ugh, I know I we did, we did a lot of Russell Wilson talk during the season last year. A lot of frustration. I do have a lot. I do have Wilson ahead of Richardson right now. I guess that's uh, you know in Sean Payton we trust. I, question mark. Uh, yeah, it's close. Again, <laughs> it's probably one of those things where I would follow the Bogman rule that that if you're in a super flex, you're taking Russell. If you're taking your second quarterback, you're taking Richardson. Any chance Richardson over Russell? 
No, Clark? not for not for redraft. No, uh, g- give me Russell Wilson. He still has great weapons, and like Funson said, in in Peyton we trust. Got to get a real offense in there, and uh, yeah. So I, I, it's it's still Russell, but it is much closer than uh, than I'm even giving it credit for here. I, right. I think we, what we ha- what we have to say here is we can't rule out the the fact that like come preseason, Anthony Richardson could look like he's completely in the deep end over his head and they have to pull back a little bit on the idea that they're going to throw him out there early and, and maybe they slow play him a little bit more. Because 13 they, real, games started in college. I yeah, mean, it's I mean, not a lot of experience. So yeah, Minshew, exactly. Minshew should look better. So we'll see. Let's go over to the running backs. And this is the big dog. This is where you're going to have one of the most impactful redraft values that we have seen since Saquon Barkley in Bijan Robinson, who went uh, eighth overall to the Falcons, one eight. The other two, the big three, uh, we got Jameer Gibbs, who shockingly went to Detroit, but now we know kind of the full path of it, one twelve, And then not in the first round, we had Zach Charbonnet, who went to Seattle at 221. That was a shocker, and that kind of affected some stuff. Uh, obviously, I want to talk about all of them as a whole, but let's just do a focus on Bijan Robinson early Best balls have already opened up. Bijan Robinson has gone as high as one, two. He seems to be sitting in around the top five overall picks this year. So when I say it's as impactful as Saquon Barkley, I mean it. That's what Barkley was doing. You know, these they're not rare, rare, but we don't every single season see a rookie running back go in the first round. But when they do, it is wham, and that's what's going on with Bijan Robinson. Bogman is the biggest Bijan Robinson fan on the planet. Uh, a, he went to his favorite school to Texas. B, we actually have a we have a mutual friend who is a family member. Uh, uh, we have the the you know the connection to Bijan Robinson. You followed him for quite a long time. You have said forever that this guy is the biggest since Saquon Barkley. So the one eight move. This isn't so much about none of these other guys can pass Bijan Robinson because not only is he the best, he went to the best spot that you really could have given him. This is about how high can you go in the first round on redraft? He's the no doubt, no brainer, number one dynasty pick in doesn't even matter if it's super flex at this point. I think a lot of people have agreed, but how high in redraft will you go on Bijan Robinson? It's hard to say in redraft right now, uh, how high cause one, two makes sense. And in dynasty, he's my number two player behind Christian McCaffrey. And I know Christian McCaffrey's older. I look at dynasty more in a three year window, uh, it, but Christian McCaffrey is higher. He's behind an amazing offensive line. Um, you know, he is the man. They traded their entire draft to get uh, CMC. So Bijan is CMC, but younger to me. And going to an offense that runs the ball so much, like Funson mentioned, under Arthur Smith. And Arthur Smith, we don't like him for fantasy because he doesn't throw the ball to Drake London and Kyle Pitts, right? But you're going to love him for Bijan because he's going to give the ball to Bijan probably 20 times a game. The guy's going to have around 300 touches his rookie season, he's like Le'Veon Bell with speed is what I've compared him to. A lot of Edron James uh, comps to him as well. He's patient at the line. He works his way through, and then he bursts through uh, for long gains. Le'Veon Bell had that patience at the line. He didn't have the burst. So, um, And he runs routes like a wide receiver. He is the best fantasy player in this draft by a wide, wide margin. And um, it's going to be at the top of dynasty list and very high in redraft. It's hard for me to put him... Two, three, you know, somewhere in that range because Tyler Algier, Algier is still there. And this is a running back that, you know, the Falcons should want long term. So you don't want to run the wheels off of him his rookie season. 
but a lot like CMC, it's going to be hard to pull him off the field. And every year we hear, oh, we're going to ratchet back Christian McCaffrey's touches and blah, blah, blah. But it's the same thing with Derrick Henry. We hear this stuff every single year, and it never happens because coaches like their jobs, and you have to have the best players on the field to keep your job when you're losing a game. And these guys make a difference. So uh, Bijan, you know, in rookie drafts, 1-1 with a bullet. In redraft, he's going to be in that top five of pretty much everybody's list. Brandon, do you agree that he's going to be a top five overall uh, fantasy pick? Yeah, I think we have to just push this every time this happens. Like, it's, you know, running backs assimilate quickly. And Brees Hall, who was a great prospect, but not as good of a prospect as B. John Robinson, was trending towards basically being as good as a one-two, you know, draft pick if if he would have played out his year last year without getting hurt. Like, he, he got slow played the first couple games, but then he was just suddenly the man, and he would have been, if he had not been hurt, and it's very similar in the in the versatility and just the talent. But again, we're talking another level. So it's not hyperbole to say that he could be the one too. Uh, but yeah, top five pick is is very realistic. All right. The only Brandon. reason that I that I like pump the brakes on it at all is because of what Frank Reich did to Jonathan Taylor, giving the ball to Naheem Hines a bunch his rookie year and how frustrating that was. So like you learn from that. But like once Funza had just said, Brees Hall. Came in and they're like, eh, you know, we're going to give a couple guys carries and then, no, let's just give it to our best player every single time we can. (laughs) Very funny you said that name because I was literally about to say, Brandon, Bijan Robinson or Jonathan Taylor uh, for this coming year. I have Bijan. I have Taylor at three at running back and I have Bijan four. I don't know. It's 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 May. You know, (laughs) there's a few months in between now and when it really matters. uh, I'm doing my best ball today, Brandon. Come on. Give me an answer. Honestly, probably I could see myself getting wrapped up in Bijan and moving him ahead of Jonathan Taylor before it's all said and done. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Uh, Boggs, this is the one that came to my mind. He's lower. So I know I'm, what answer I'm going to get, but I just want to throw it out here. I actually thought a decent one was Bijan versus Tony Pollard. You know, the situation that's happened in Dallas, like I think Tony Pollard is just so much more valuable, but obviously he doesn't have the sexy fantasy appeal of Bijan Robinson. But you want to talk about production versus touches. Do you think they're close at all, or do you think this is a runaway 10 out of 10 times Bijan over Pollard? No, I think they're probably close in rookie year in talent. Bijan is way better than Pollard, and Pollard is very, very good. Uh, obviously, everyone has watched him. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's probably slightly Bijan right now. Um, but I mean, Pollard is a huge winner because the Cowboys didn't come out of the draft with a running back, so yeah. or a viable one. I mean, Deuce Vaughn is great, but he's a special teamer to me. So we'll see. All right. Um, the other two, we're giving a little bit of focus on the big guys, and we'll do a burn on the uh, the next tier. Jameer Gibbs. He's in Detroit. He's theoretically in a in a timeshare now, but it was so funny seeing him get drafted when they had Swift, and you're like, uh, Spider Man meme. You know what are we doing here? <laughs> so Bugs, Jameer Gibbs, one twelve. What does his redraft? He's obviously number two here on the rookie list yeah. here. That's why I'm not doing like a. What, who do you have? He's obviously the number two guy for everybody, but what does that mean for redraft and what does that mean for dynasty real quick? 
I mean, for for Dynasty, he's still number two, and that's because he has an Alvin Kamara skill set, right? Like, this is not a guy that needs to touch the ball 15 times a game. He's going to line up in the slot. He's going to play a little wide receiver as well. You want him to get 10 to 15 touches, and you want him to hit a home run on one of those plays and, and get in the end zone, right? Or just scoop up a lot of catches in a PPR league, something like that. So um, for redraft, obviously, I still feel like David Montgomery is going to get uh, the majority of the touches. So Gibbs probably needs to be, I think right now on Fantasy Pros, he's like right around 20 in that range, like around Damian Pierce and Isaiah Pacheco and then some guys that could be the lead carrier, but, you know, it's like Cam Akers was weird in L.A. at the end of last year. Aaron Jones has A.J. Dillon breathing down his neck. So, like, he's in that range of a solid, like a low-end RB2 and a high-end RB3 in redraft for me. Uh, Brandon, any other feelings as far as redraft dynasty for Jameer? The redraft is really interesting about him this year and what, you know, what element he's going to play into it because they could just slot him into the DeAndre Swift role. And we saw Swift have those big moments. But where do you think he lies as far as redraft value goes? Yeah, I have, you know, you, you mentioned 20. I, I have him at 20 as well. I was just looking, I have Aaron Jones <laughs> and Jameer Gibbs kind of like right next to each other. So, um, you know, and that kind of, you know, I, I feel like Detroit just hit the reset button on what they wanted DeAndre Swift to, to be. And now they're going to go for the guy hoping that he will be what they were hoping from DeAndre Swift, maybe a little less baggage coming with it, but like a versatile guy, as Bogwin said, that's not going to handle a featured workload, but you can do a lot of fun stuff with him. And he has that elusiveness, um, you know, to kind of pair with David Montgomery's more, um, you know, lunch pail kind of approach. How about this? Brennan, Jameer Gibbs or DeAndre Swift? Uh, DeAndre Swift is actually under ranked behind Jameer Gibbs on the consensus ranks currently. But what say you? Which would you rather invest in for redraft? Uh, I will take the I'll take the younger wheels. Uh, like I think they if if you could tell me DeAndre Swift's gonna be healthy all season long, I might go DeAndre Swift. But he's a three DMP guy. Like it's just been proven out. So like I'm just gonna factor that in, and maybe that's what J- Jameer Gibbs will end up being. But he gets the benefit of not having uh, that that baggage, you know, that injury baggage coming in. So I'm going to go with Jameer Gibbs. I think they're similar, though. Boggs? Yeah, definitely Gibbs for me. And I like DeAndre Swift, but, you know, when you trade a guy like that who you took pretty high for a six-round pick, it tells the NFL, uh, you know, what no one was willing to give a fifth for this guy. So that tells you what the NFL thinks about him. So, yeah, lower on the rung. I think Penny might start over him, too, and get more carries. So, uh, yeah, for me, it's definitely Gibbs. All right, the it's last funny, one. Really, really quickly, it's like as the whole world was ripping Detroit for that pick. Did you see their war room? That was like, oh my, was they were euphoric. <laughs> they thought they had just pulled off the greatest coup ever. I'm I like, always think it's funny when people are like, "See, look at them! They're celebrating this pick." Of course, of course, that's yeah. their pick. They thought they think that this guy is the guy, so of course they're going to be happy. But about that it. wasn't just like right. a celebration. They were like dabbing and like they were like hurting oh, each dude, other. Like it was nuts. like it was crazy. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I, uh, when they when um, the Ravens and of course it's, it's a Texas guy getting drafted. But I remember when the Ravens drafted Devin Duvernay and you saw Jim Harbaugh like fist pumping and like 
oh, like, you know, looked like he was ready to go into battle. And I was like, man, uh, getting real happy about the slot wide receiver here. And I, I love Devin Duvernay. I think what's yeah. funny about it, though, it's yeah. also one of those where it's like there is no world where any human being was taking Jameer Gibbs in the top 15. So it's just like they're acting like it was such a shock. <laughs> it's like, no, you guys were going to shock the world. It reminds me of like when Dante Whitner got taken by the Bills at seven overall. If they're like, oh, my God, we did it. It's like, of course you did it. No one was going to do this. No one was going to do that with Hitler. Jameer Gibbs. Dante I don't know. It was, it was it was a funny situation. Uh, Brandon, the last one of the big guys, Zach Charbonnet, goes to your Seattle Seahawks, and they just happen to have a guy, Kenny Walker, and we like uh, Ken well, Walker. So, what does this do? How do you value him? How is this shocking? Everybody, it's 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 shocking to me that everybody thinks this is shocking. Like, look at Ken Walker. Like, after Ken Walker, they have DJ Dallas. That's yeah. it. That's that's all they had. Like we're in a league where we're running two back systems everywhere, and Seattle is a team. Take Evan Marshall. Hall. Don't take Charbonnet. Let him go to Cincinnati or somewhere where he can be uh, the front guy. I just I hate these two. I think he's going to be just. I, I think he's going to be like AJ Dillon. I think we're going to get a pretty even split. I don't think. Um, but you know, Seattle had Marshawn Lynch. They had Chris Carson. They love physical big backs and that's gonna, it's gonna give them an element of this thunder and lightning i think they're gonna play in concert much like aaron jones and, and aj Dillon have and i think it's gonna be be fine for charbonneau actually being in rosters on sundays in his rookie season i think he's gonna work out okay well charbonneau on the consensus ranks on ppr is ranked 51st currently <laughs> at way too low that's way too that low. is so low i Bugs, where do you think that. he should be then if, if you're in agreement on this idea like where like okay i got one for you how about charbonneau Versus AJ Dillon, who is ranked thirty third. Um. Oh man, I'll take I'll take Dillon there because I think there's a chance that 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 backfield shifts more towards Dillon, uh, with Jordan Love. You know, uh, they're gonna run the ball a ton in Green Bay. Well, I got uh, a we better know one. that with Jordan I got, Love. I got such G- a better Gina, one. I mean, but it's kind of the same situation. Like uh, Funson mentioned, it, it's gonna be a one two punch in Seattle. So yeah, I, mean, I got a much better one. Be Check closer. this one out. Yeah, okay. Charbonnet <laughs> or Antonio Gibson. Um, oh, that's another good one. Um, I mean, and, this and is by the, the way, while you're thinking Gibson well, is where, 37. Where is Gibson? Yeah, 37. 37. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I was going to say. Like he should be at least like in that, you know, m- mid RB three to mid RB four range. I mean, he should be in the fifties. That is, uh, that is absurd to me. So, um, yeah, I think I would go, I give me the fresh legs. I'd probably go Charbonnet on that one. Brandon yep. Charbonnet yep. or Gibson. I'm looking at my ranks. I have uh, I have Charbonnet ahead of Gibson by a, a few spots, like four spots ahead. I have right now. I have Charbonnet at 37. So um, and I have See, Gibson at 41. The the thing here for me is I love Ken Walker, and I still think Ken Walker is the better back. But like like Funston said, I mean these are two bruisers. They're kind of they do the same thing. Uh, and we've seen Seattle in the past. Pete Carroll loves to run the football more time more often than not. The Seahawks are in the top five in rush attempts every single year. Both these guys are going to get uh, usage. I The reason I don't like Charbonnet going to Seattle is because he is much bigger than Ken Walker. So I think goal line work is probably going to go to Charbonnet, which annoys me for Ken Walker because he's going to have to hit home runs now to, to score more often. But we'll see how... Seattle works it off. They're not going to like make Mike Gillisley out of him or anything and give him only well, one yard so touchdowns. The interesting thing I was going to bring this up when we were talking about Philadelphia as nice as Penny or Swift could be in that offense. Like Jalen Hurts is the unstoppable one yard plunge. And I don't think that's going away in Seattle. At least this is going to likely be a really good offense where Geno Smith isn't going to be taking 
10, 10 rushing touchdowns away from these guys. So there might right. be enough for both of them to eat. All right, so then now we've got this other crew. We'll kind of burn this a little bit quicker. This is the other crew of running backs. You have Kendry Miller going to New Orleans, Devin A. Chang going to Miami, both in the third round, Tank Bigsby third round, Tajay Spears third round, Rashawn jo Johnson going to Chicago in the fourth round. These all are guys that could potentially float around first uh, round, first-year player drafts, all rookies to kind of keep an eye on. Bogman, let's start with you. Um, who are the top three of this list in your mind based on, you know, their talent and their destination and which is of most interest in redrafts of that group for redraft uh, for me, it's Devin a chain uh, interests me the most. And it's, this is a speed back and Olympic level uh, speed back going to Miami. And I feel like, you know, we know Miami is going to run three, four backs. I mean, it's just what the system does uh, under McDaniel and, you know, they brought everybody back, so they still have Wilson and Ahmed and uh, someone else. I'm, I'm forget Who's the other guy I'm forgetting here in Miami? Moster. Moster, and, yeah. And, who's always uh, hurt. Do they still have Gaskin, too? Yeah, they, they brought back literally everybody. And then Devin A-Chain, add, add A-Chain into this. I think you run A-Chain first and early because he has the chance to have an explosive play up the gut. A lot of up the gut at A&M for a little guy because they had no one else. So... You, you run him, and if he has an explosive play, you get those linebackers and DBs maybe move up a step, then you hit him over the top with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Or if that's working early, now you have the linebackers a step or two back, and you have this Olympic-level speed in your backfield, and, and now you know you give him a little lane, and he is gone. He is a speed demon. So um, really like that landing spot for A-Chain. Uh, so Miller, what were your top three? Is it is it A-Chain? Okay, then Miller. A chain, well, A chain for redraft. A chain, Bigsby, and then Miller probably. Gotcha. I like Bigsby uh, being, you know, just the, the the bigger back in Jacksonville, so he should get first and second down work if he proves himself early. Etienne's still going to get a lot of carries; has carried the load at Clemson, but this takes a little bit off of him. A guy that missed his entire rookie season with that Liz Franck injury. So, uh, yeah, th those would be my top three for redraft. All right, Brandon, do you agree that A-Chain is the top guy of this group? And if not, whom is? And then how does that top three of this of uh, these, what is it, five guys work for you? Yeah, I would just say, like, I, you know, a lot of this is going to have to play out. I agree that A-Chain would be my first choice. McDaniel clearly targeted him. He targets speed. Obviously, it's it's what he lusts after with Waddle and Tyreek Hill and Raheem Mostert, an Olympic, you know, a level speedster. Um, so... Yeah, I think that's, that's it. I, one guy I would throw into the mix as a, you know, maybe don't sleep on him is Chase Brown because he could end up being legitimately the straight up backup to Joe Mixon. It sounds like Mixon's coming back, but weirder things have happened. But also he's basically, in my mind, he's where we would be thinking about Samaj P. Ryan last year, which is he can be a three down back. He fell a little bit, but like. The other guys they have there, I don't know if you're looking at them as three down back guys. So if Mixon goes down or if things get weird with Mixon, Chase Brown could be a supply surprise out of the woodwork kind of guy. So what would Absolutely. your three be? You And you can put Chase Brown in there. What would your three of the next tier guys be? Uh, A-Chain would be one. Um, I, I agree with the Bigsby thing. There's there's opportunity there. So I go Bigsby too. I'm going to throw Chase Brown in as three. If I'm just rolling the dice on these guys, you know, Kendra Miller, they have uh, – Jamal Williams there. We don't know for sure that Alvin Kamara is sitting this year. He, he could. Certainly, it's it's hanging out there. But they do have Jamal Williams, and he has a way of endearing himself to the coaching staff. So, uh, 
you know, I like Kendry Miller, but I would go, I would go Chase Brown just for rolling the dice. All right, let's go over to the wide receivers, and there's a big four, and these are probably going to be our big focus, though I'll throw it to you if you both have a sleeper. The big four went next to each other, next to each other, boom, 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 boom. They just, it was like a little wide receiver run. We have Jackson Smith and Jigba going to Brendan Funston, Seattle Seahawks. You've got Quinton Johnson going to the Chargers at 121. Zay Flowers going to Baltimore at 122, and Jordan Addison going to Minnesota at one. 23 Bogman these four big wide receivers all first round picks there's some other talent out there but these are going to be the big focal point for a lot of people so rank these guys out for redraft and for dynasty and how you value them uh for redraft I'm going to go Addison Zay uh Quentin Johnson JSN that's what I'm going to do for redraft but for dynasty Give me Addison, JSN, Quentin, and then say Flowers uh, last because I I've, I just feel like, you know, Addison is now the number two. Adam Thielen is gone. K.J. Osborne is there, but we're talking about a Boletnikoff Award winner. He can run on the outside. He can run th- from the slot. You're getting double coverage taken away by uh, Justin Jefferson. T.J. Hawkinson is over the middle eating up some safety coverage as well. Addison's going to be open a lot as a rookie and in the future. So I love this landing spot for him. The other landing spots are okay. Zay could be a number one for Baltimore, which would be great, but you're still number one in a run-heavy offense. So I don't know. For this year, it's great because, you know, OBJ is coming off of his injury. Rashad Bateman can't stay on the field, and you just invested in Zay. I think he gets out there pretty quick. Quentin Johnson is going to be behind Keenan Allen, Mike Williams to start. They could both be gone. They're both injury-prone, so there's a lot of opportunity for him there. And then JSN to the Seahawks is nice for the future, He's going to make a, a great one-two punch with um, with DK Metcalf in the future, plus Geno or whoever the quarterback is. But this is another run-first offense that already has Lockett and Metcalf. Um, so I, I'm going to put him last for redraft for sure. I'll give you the consensus here in a second. But Brandon, let's hear same thing. How do you get these four for redraft? And does it differ for Dynasty to you? Yeah, so Addison's number one uh, with a bullet for me of this group. I have my reservations about Quentin Johnson. He disappeared a lot. Um, he brings the same thing that Mike Williams does, and Keenan Allen's probably still going to be the leading target guy there. Mike Williams already has that kind of – And they didn't get rid know, of Eckler, who catches 70 balls get, a year. Didn't Eckler. So I'm not sure Quentin Johnson hits the ground running at all. And, and to be honest with you, I would, I would throw somebody else in into my top four ahead of – maybe as high as number three overall. And that's Jonathan Mingo with Carolina. I really like him. I like his opportunity. I like the fact that he's going to be paired with a rookie quarterback. And a lot of times those guys get that early work together. He's a second round pick. You look at the tape. I thought of Anquan Bolden. And I see a lot of Anquan Bolden comps or Brandon Ayuk. He's just a solid guy that has really good run after the catch skills. And I can see, and that's not a well-established receiver room there with DJ Morgan. It's, Bunch of new guys, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, but if Jonathan Mingo gets early work with Bryce Young, that could be something that, that that's a thread that carries through to the season. So I actually like him uh, third. I'll go JSN, and then I'll go then I'll go Jonathan Mingo, and I love Zay Flowers. I just don't love Baltimore as as a landing spot. Um, and you mentioned Devin Duvernay earlier, and now Greg Roman's gone, but. Like, I thought Devin Duvernay, when they drafted him, he was a screen pass extraordinaire kind of guy. Like, you could use him in the in the horizontal game so well, and they never really utilized him like that 
in Baltimore. And, and you could say the same about Zay Flowers as a better prospect, but they didn't utilize Devin Duvernay. It gives me reservations. We've never seen Lamar Jackson really throw to running backs, throw to guys in the flat very, very well. And that's something you could do with Zay Flowers that I need to see it to believe it. But again, Greg Roman's gone, so maybe we will finally see something like that happen. You got to really wonder if that's going to end up changing. On the consensus, so this is uh, this will interest you guys. There, on the early consensus PPR ranks, none of the rookie wide receivers are even in the top 45 of overall wide receivers. Maybe that's a play, maybe that's not. Bogman had a face here. The number one guy is not Addison, who you guys both said is your number one. It is uh, JSN. He's the number one guy, but Addison is next to him. They are in their own tier the next tier down, it's in more of like the 60s uh, and 50s, are the uh, Quentin Johnson and Zay Flowers. Jonathan Mingo, 97 on the consensus ranks right they now. They haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, that, that, yeah. That's that's what I have But to, early values if yeah. you're doing best balls. Uh, Mingo Absolutely. might be an incredible best ball value right now. And, and Addison is going behind Jackson Smith and Jigba right now, which both of you think is not the play. Uh, Bogman, any thoughts on that? Of course. Give me a deeper sleeper wide receiver. Uh, even though Brandon already did that, I'm going to ask for another with Mingo. That's a better one. But who is a, uh, you know, outside of that top four or five wide receivers, who's a sleeper wide receiver for this year you like? I'll give you a couple other guys I like. I like Josh Downs going to Indy. Um, I, you and I love Josh Downs. Welsh. we've talked yeah. about him a bunch. A great guy with the ball in his hands. Uh, Got to be able to separate a lot of contested catches. So, uh, but everything that you wanted from Paris Campbell, I think you could get from Josh Downs. I love Jalen Hyatt going to the Giants because there's a lot of room for opportunity there. None of these wide receivers impressed anyone last year. So Hyatt has a lot of skill. Um, you know, Danny Dollars, can't call him Danny Dimes anymore. Danny Dollars uh, looking for a number one overall uh, target there would be great. And the other two that I like are Jaden Reed going to Green Bay because uh, this is going to be an over-the-middle guy. You have your two outside guys in Dobbs and Watson. This should be your possession guy moving forward. You can uh, run him short. He took a lot of carries as well. And then Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice going to Kansas City. You have to perk your ears up anytime an offensive skill position guy goes to Kansas City because Patrick Mahomes is there. They're looking for a guy with size. He has it. Um, he wasn't my favorite wide receiver. He's been a little injury prone uh, in college. But, um, yeah, good hands, and Patrick Mahomes will throw you open. So excited about him in KC. Brandon, do you have a deeper wide receiver? Bogman took them all, so I don't know if you can have yeah. any others. But if you have any, well, others, and I don't think it was a great. Accept I don't one. think the the you know the depth of the receiver class didn't really excite me a whole lot. But Tank Dell, you know, was someone we mentioned earlier here. He could play right away and, and be in the slot there. And again, it's a rookie quarterback and a rookie receiver where they might get some extra time early on in in OTAs and things like that where. Uh, that could carry over. So I would throw him into that mix, but I'm not overly, I'm not going to be overly jumping at any of those, these deeper guys other than Mingo. I do like Mingo. So we'll see. Uh, lastly, just on the tight end front, uh, he probably is in tier of his own uh, Dalton Kincaid going to Buffalo. You also have Michael Mayer going to um, the Raiders and Sam Laporta going to the lions. As far as Kincaid goes, Brandon, do you think Kincaid is going to push being a startable tight end one, top 12 tight end uh, this coming year? I, I don't think I'll be drafting him that way. Uh, maybe taking, you know, it's like the Anthony Richardson approach in a one, you know, in a, you know, if you want a backup tight end on your roster, maybe play for the upside. He is a he is a great receiving tight end. I watched him a decent amount when he was at Utah as a Pac-12 guy, but um, 
I, you know, I'm just a history of, of rookie tight ends. It happens every once in a while, but there's Dawson Knox there. There's there's a pretty big target hog and Stephon Diggs and, you know, some other things going on there. So I, I, I can see Dalton Kincaid being very interesting later in the year, but I, I don't think he's going to be helping you out a whole lot early on. Bogman, Dalton Kincaid is 25 on consensus ranks currently right now. Do you believe that is correct, or do you no. think he is a push to being a startable tight end one this year? No, he's going to be close to the end of tight end one for sure, if not in it. Uh, by so, the like, time top, maybe is he top 15? I think so. Yeah, I think I would definitely put him in there. And he's a guy that I will throw a dart on. Like, if I wait to take my tight end, because, I mean, my strategy this year is going to be a lot of Travis Kelsey. But if I don't get Kelsey and I don't get those mid-tier tight ends that I want, I'll snap up Kincaid and see because this is a team that didn't go out and get another uh, wide receiver like we thought they would. There's a lot of projections of Jordan Addison or uh, JSN or one of these top wide receivers going there because Gabe Davis was such a disappointment last year. And Kincaid is kind of that guy that is going to do that. He's definitely a receiving tight end that catches the ball way better than he blocks. So maybe getting on the field could be tough. I mean, tight end is the the hardest um, spot to, to transition in the NFL, in my opinion. So, um, but he's going to get a lot of looks quickly here. He's going to get open and Josh, Josh Allen's going to love him. And this is the opposite of Seattle where this is a pass first offense and you barely ever go to the running backs and you definitely don't throw to them. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Kincaid and, uh, he's going to at least be on my radar at the end of drafts. A quick experiment as we're going to end the episode here. We'll start with you, Bogman. The first half, let's say it's a 12 team, the top six because I think things are going to become very fluid. So let's just focus quickly. Your top six rookies, first-year player draft. You got one of those. Who are the top six guys that you think? What is the order? So this is a one QB league, just top six for Dynasty? Yeah, let's do okay. that. Yeah, no super flex here. I'm going to go Bijan, Addison, JSN, Gibbs, Kincaid, and Richardson. Okay, so Richardson at six. So quarterback gets a top six. Brandon, your top six rookies that you're locked into Bogman had, I think uh, three wide receivers, one quarterback, two running. Yeah. Backs. I would, I would say mine is going to be basically the same except for take out Kincaid and put Charbonnet in there. Cause I, I think there's going to be enough of a role there and a Ken Walker injury is huge for Charbonnet. It would be massive for Charbonnet. It's a great point. So, it's a great point. It would change the entire scope of uh, You could probably make arguments that Charbonnet could be right up there with Gibbs or maybe even higher if, if Walker was not there, you could do. So uh, there you go. That's a little look post-draft talking about all the prospects. Bogman, you can find him at Bogman Sports. What else is going on? Anything to plug? Uh, no, I got the ITL show coming back pretty soon here. Uh, you and I will be talking about this draft class and maybe getting the best ball in uh, pretty soon. And, you know, just follow me on Twitter. Uh, I do the uh, Fantasy Pros Dynasty pod with Pat Fitzmorris over there. So uh, check that out. But yeah, just follow me on Twitter and you can see where I do all my work. Brandon, what's going on? You got any other uh, holes to dig or things to fix around? <laughs> Brandon, you guys would be baffled at what Brandon had to do yesterday. Thank God we didn't do the recording. You, you're li you not even literally putting out fires. You are just like build digging holes and fixing houses. What's yeah. uh, what's in your, if we had done it yesterday, uh, I would have right been now? a stiff drink in hand as I was doing it. Cause I needed it. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. Discovering underground water leaks, but, uh, over at the athletic, um, obviously Jake, Jake has pumped out a bunch of stuff post draft. Um, we are in the midst of working on the fantasy football magazine, which will be hitting newsstands midsummer. So, so look for that. And yeah, if you're into fantasy baseball, be sure to check out our fantasy baseball content that's been ongoing since the season's begun. 
That's right. You can actually catch me uh, once a week over on Rates and Barrels here at The Athletic, uh, where I join Eno and DVR. So you can't get rid of me just yet. Follow him on Twitter at Brandon Funston. You got Bogman Sports. You can follow me at Is It The Welsh. And thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We'll be back for more with Mr. Jake Seeley. It'll be exciting to get him back in the fold. But until then, it's The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Bye-bye. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.